said, my name is Darcy, and along with my husband, who you heard from last week, we are the lead pastors out at our Papakura campus, and it is a pleasure to be back here in Botany. Nice to see y'all, and also nice to see so many new faces in the room since I last preached here. Um, nice to virtually, well, not virtually, I often say that over email. Nice to meet you in person. We can meet afterwards as well. But you heard from Frosty last week because we pulled the ultimate frost swap on y'all. I was supposed to be last week and him this week, but then we just changed it up because I got a bit sick. And um, we do that sometimes, you know, the ultimate tag team. There was this one time, my very first time preaching on a Sunday morning here actually, and I started to get really, really sick. And I finally made it to the third service and I was up here and I was starting my message, maybe got a third of the way through, maybe some of y'all remember this. And everything just started to go like black and blurry. And I just looked at him and handed him the mic. I go, you're up. And I, and I just walked backstage and collapsed and he legit finished my message. People thought we had planned it that good, right? No, but, but I heard that he preached an amazing message last week, didn't he? We might be good at finishing each other's sermons, but let me tell you all this, we are not good at cooking. Some of y'all know. Like we're not the greatest cooks. <laughs> but the good thing is we serve a God who's about progression and not perfection. And so I'm progressing in the kitchen because I've subscribed to this new thing called HelloFresh. Right? See, some of y'all are with me. It takes away the stress of picking a recipe, of converting everything from my American measures in my head to y'all's Kiwi measures. And then I don't have to go to the supermarket. Supermarkets stress me out. Like I walk in and I always shop when I'm hungry, which I know you're not supposed to do, but I do it anyway. And then I get stressed out by the time we get out of there. So it's good. So it's arriving at our door. I can cook it up. And I found myself cooking more of these recipes because there's something we disagree on about a little ingredient that we add to certain meals that I like to add to all meals, but Frosty could care less because he likes to eat to not be hungry. Whereas I like to eat to enjoy the enhanced flavors that this ingredient could bring, right? When he brings me some of those potato wedges or hot chips out of the oven and hands them to me with no salt, y'all that potato, is the most bland thing without some salt added onto it. Does anybody agree with me today? Frosty, look around. There's agreements in the room. <laughs> and so I'll often look at him and I'll say, babe, this needs salt. And now he's gotten used to just coming and placing the salt shaker next to me. But let me tell you this, salt is pretty amazing because it has this ability to intensify agreeable tastes and then to diminish disagreeable ones. This is what science says, y'all. It says some flavor compounds are too subtle to detect, but when you add even just a teeny amount of salt, neurological magic happens. Suddenly, our taste receptors can detect flavors they weren't able to sense before. Get this, when you add salt to the roasted squash, the squash doesn't merely become salty, but rather the myriad complex of flavors of the vegetable come to the fore. Add a bit of salt to bread dough, and likewise, the bread doesn't necessarily taste salty, it just tastes the way bread should. See, salt has this ability to make things taste the way they should. It has this ability to make things taste good. So my message for y'all this evening is it needs salt. Can you say it needs salt? It needs salt. That's right, it does. 
We're gonna go to the book of 2 Kings today. If you've got your Bible app, your, your real physical Bible, or you just wanna read along on the screen, we're going to the book of 2 Kings chapter two, verses 19 to 22. The people of the city said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it saying, this is what the Lord says. I have healed the water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day according to the word Elisha had spoken. Now here's what you need to know. Elisha was a prophet. I want you to get context of this scripture because too many people are reading scriptures out of context these days. And we need to understand what was being said in this moment so we can understand what God is saying today, amen? So Elisha was a prophet. That means he was this individual chosen by God to receive a word directly from God and speak it out to the people to say what God was saying. Prophets were incredible teachers of the word and they helped to guide kings and kingdoms by sharing what God was saying, but the people didn't always like what they had to say. Like just read a bit of the Old Testament, read about the prophets there. Their general message was, hey, y'all messed up and you need to get right with God. So they weren't everybody's favorite person when the prophets would show up. But here's what you need to know is happening in this moment. Elisha was mentored by another prophet named Elijah. And he had just witnessed this moment where Elijah didn't die. He had just done pretty good on earth and God said, good job, son, you can come up to heaven now. See, this is what happened. They were walking and then all of a sudden there was this whirlwind of chariots of fire and chariots of horses and Elijah was just taken up by God, right? That's like the most legit way to go, right? I mean, I would love to get to the end of my life and have God be like, Darcy, good job, whirlwind, here we go, and just straight up to heaven. I love it. That's what I'm expecting at the end of my life. Um, so Elisha was mentored by Elijah and he's now left there alone. And he walks back into this town of Jericho. But the people of Jericho recognize that this person, Elisha, is operating in the office of the prophet. He has authority on his life. And so they come to him to get a word about their city. That's context. Now let's understand what it is that he is saying because I know that when I read this, this wasn't just what God was saying to them now, but it's what God is saying to us today in today's world. Now you might not know this, but all throughout scripture in the Old Testament, New Testament, there is incredible symbolism that's important for us to recognize and not just breeze over. And so there's four things that I want us to talk about tonight. And if you've got your notes in front of you, I want you to underline these things. The first one is this town. Circle that, underline it, make a mark of it. Let's talk about Jericho. Now, many of you would know that Jericho is the city where Joshua and the army marched around the walls for six days. And then on the seventh day, on their final lap, they gave these huge shouts of praise. And through God's miraculous power, the walls came tumbling down and they were able to conquer this city and step into the promise. So this city has rich history and it's also got beautiful surroundings. The Jordan River is not too far away but yet the people of Jericho are unhappy and they recognize that this water is bad and it's making their land 
unproductive and unfruitful. See, even the most fertile land can be affected by bad water. See, from the outside, a city may look grand, it may look incredible, but you have no idea what corruption lies within. See, from the outside, from the street view with the white picket fence and the freshly painted house, that house might look beautiful, but you have no idea what's going on on the inside. See, a man might stand there with a smile and a well-tailored suit, but you have no idea the condition of his heart. And so when I'm reading about Jericho in this time, I was reminded of the lyrics of a song by Alex Stern where she said, we keep on keeping our messes behind white picket fences. We keep on keeping our messes behind white picket fences. See, Jericho represents a land and a city that looked strong and looked incredible, but is really hurting on the inside. And then there's the bad water, circle bad water. Water throughout the Bible represents life. But here when it's called bad water, it means the opposite. It's speaking of death. There is this corrupt current flowing through the city that is affecting everything. Y'all, when the water is bad, society struggles because then pollution and sickness and death prevail. The corrupt currents in our society can actually flow into every aspect of our lives. Corrupt currents can flow into political systems, into the media, into our schools, our cities, our families, the media, the, everything on social media that we consume. And bad water can lead to unfruitfulness, meaning the land can't produce what it was actually created to produce. It's not living in the fullness of its purpose or the fullness of life because of what has contaminated it. And then there's the new bowl, circle new bowl. God often refers to something new, the new covenant, the, the new creation, new wineskin, and here, a new bowl. And Elisha, in this moment, he's saying, don't bring me something that's contaminated by the old. Don't bring me something that is stuck in tradition for the sake of tradition, but bring me something new. This new bowl, it represents the church. Speaking of the new covenant that Jesus was gonna establish in the New Testament. And then in the bowl is some salt. Circle the word salt. You know, we often hear this scripture about salt, but I don't know if we fully understand what it means. See, in Matthew chapter five, verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking to believers. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. The salt in the new bowl are the believers. Believers that bring truth and revelation of God's goodness and God's fullness. Believers that bring purification to the corrupt currents of society. But what does Jesus mean when he says there's some salt that loses its saltiness? What does that mean for us as believers? Well, see, what he means is that there's some believers that have become so contaminated by worldly cultures and worldly solutions and worldly ways of living or thinking that they've lost their saltiness and they can no longer be useful by God. In fact, he calls them foolish. We've gotta be aware of this because even this physical product of salt, if it gets contaminated by other minerals up against it, it actually weakens the flavor of salt. It does, and it could actually produce a bland 
unpleasant taste. It's no longer as effective in its intended purpose. So why is this important? We've gotta get this, not just for what happened in that moment when Elisha threw the salt in the spring, but what does it mean for us as believers today? Well, in many ways, Jericho could represent our country or our cities. It it could represent the world that we live in today. And there are corrupt currents of bad water that have established themselves and affected every area of our lives to the point where we don't even realize it's bad water because we've become so used to it and so used to drinking it up on the daily. See, there's things nowadays like idolatry. I'm sure you've heard that word before, but that's when we elevate anything above God. When we worship other so-called gods, really wood carvings over God. It's when we worship humans and celebrities over God. It's when we worship wealth and success over God. There's idolatry that runs through the currents of society and sets itself up. Y'all, that's bad water. There's also this thing called humanism. Maybe you've heard of it, but it's where humanity now thinks they have the ability and the right to define morality. See, humanity thinks they have the right to define what is good and evil based all on their own human reasoning, their own limited human perspective. This is the current flowing through our society and our culture is drinking up bad water on the daily and it leads us into this state of spiritual pollution. But here's the good news. See, the church is the new bowl. And inside the new bowl are believers that represent the salt. And see, when Jesus called us the salt of the earth, what he meant was, when I'm pouring you out into this city, what I'm saying is that area needs salt. That means your office needs some salt. I'm sorry, I'm making a mess. That means your school needs some salt. That means your company oh, and your office culture needs some salt. Let me tell you, your flat, yeah, it needs some salt. Bring that salt to your flatmates. Every area in your life, God places you there for a reason, not to simply become contaminated by the other minerals that surround you, but so that you could be the salt that could heal the waters that God has placed you in. You were placed there for a reason and this city needs you. God needs believers to rise up out of contaminated waters and bring what only salt can bring because salt has incredible properties to it. You know, maybe you've got a cut in your mouth before or a sore throat or an ulcer. What are you asked to gargle with? Salt water, why? Because it has healing properties. It will bring healing to you. See, as believers in this city, you are called to bring healing. You are called to bring healing into every aspect of your world. You know, here at Botany, but also out at our campus in Papakura, we have this ministry called the Food Bank. And the food bank is really us bringing salt into family after family after family that are struggling and in need. See, we serve their their physical needs, but we're also bringing spiritual healing. You see, in every box that we've sent out in Papakura, I think almost 50 boxes this year, there has been a letter inside every box that says, hey, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want you to know that we're here for you. And there's a church where you are welcome any single Sunday. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with, what you're walking through, we want you to know Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for you and he is looking out for you and he's gonna meet your needs. See, that is like a 
block of salt that we've sent out into the city, into family after family after family, because we know that that could bring healing if we first start to heal their physical needs. Why do we have a ministry team stand up down the front after the service? Because we know that if somebody's struggling and somebody's hurting, they just need to get an interaction with some salt because that salt could bring some healing. So there's a believer standing here saying, I'm a block of salt. And if you need healing, come to me. I will pray for you and believe that God could heal you. Church, we are called to bring healing. Not just to botany but to all surrounding suburbs. And we can only do that when you, the salt, realize and recognize your intended purpose. You were placed in that lecture hall as a uni student, not to be silent, but to be the salt in the room. You were placed in that office, not to to be silent and to watch shady deals go on around you. You were placed there to be the salt in that company. See, you were placed on that project as a builder to be the salt. Maybe you're the only believer in your family. Guess what? You were placed in that family to bring healing, not just to the current family, but to all generations to follow. You are the salt poured into that current so that all future generations could find healing. God wants to bring healing to people through you. But as believers in this city, you are also called to inspire thirst. Salt makes us thirsty, right? It makes us thirsty. And they say that you can't make a horse drink, but you could give that horse a lick of a salt block, which will inspire him to get a bit thirsty and approach the water and drink. See, do you realize that everyone in this world is thirsty? Y'all are sitting there thirsty right now. Everyone in this world is thirsty for something. Thirsty for love, thirsty for affirmation, thirsty for success or purpose, but too often people misdirect their thirst. See, people misdirect their thirst at the bad waters running rampant through their friend group, through the TV shows they binge, through the music they listen to, through the toxic culture they've simply found themselves in, and they misdirect that thirst, and they're never satisfied. They go back again and again and again because there's still a gaping hole that they thought that was gonna fill. But just like Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. As salt in this city, we're we're called to inspire thirst among people that draws them to Jesus, that draws them to the altar, that draws them to church so that they might find the living water, the only water that can truly satisfy. As believers in this city, you're also called to champion purity. You are called to champion purity. Because another thing that salt does is it purifies. Purity simply means freedom from adulteration. That's when something becomes poor in quality because of other added substances. Purity means freedom from contamination and freedom from immorality. You see, when Elisha threw the salt into the spring of water that flowed throughout the city, he said, this is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive and the water has remained pure to this day. The salt purified what society had contaminated. 
The salt renewed what was causing unfruitfulness. The salt purified the waters that brought freedom, not just to the land, but to everyone who drank from it. As believers, we need to champion purity. We need to champion the word of God in every area of our lives, not just the parts that are most convenient, not just the parts that are the easiest to surrender control, but in all areas of our lives. So we've gotta have a daily choice to choose purity of our words, purity of our thoughts, purity of our actions and of our lifestyles. Why? Because salt that loses its saltiness becomes foolish and useless in its intended effect. And so a big question for you, if you are sitting here in the room as a believer, you need to ask yourself, have I become tasteless? Have I lost my flavor as a believer? Or am I bringing salt into the sphere of influence God has placed me in? Because can I tell you what happens when some salt gets involved? You can say what you want about these people, but we can all agree that they were pretty salty. See, back in the 1500s, the city of Geneva, which is in Switzerland, not in America. Somebody thought it was in America the first time I preached this. It's in Switzerland. <laughs> was corrupt and unstable. And then from the 16th century, the city decided that they were going to adopt the principles and the teachings of John Calvin, a Christian revivalist. And they decided that they would rework society so that it would put, come into alignment with God's word. And so they brought Christian principles into every aspect of society. He see, what happened was John Calvin poured salt into the city, into every aspect of this city by bringing the word of God in. And guess what? Now, now this city that was once corrupt, was once unstable, is arguably the most successful city in all of Europe. See, in fact, almost every Fortune 500 company in the U.S. is either headquartered or represented in Geneva, with around 50% of the world's private wealth managed there. Salt got poured into that city to purify the principles and the rules and the doctrine that was defining that city. And because of that, success and a good reputation is followed. See, there was this other guy, this guy that grew up in the Christian faith, but he decided to walk away from the Christian faith as a determined atheist when his mom passed away from cancer. And on this journey as an atheist and trying to disprove God, he actually found that all evidence pointed to God who does in fact exist and who did love him unconditionally. And he calls himself the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. His name is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is now considered to be the greatest defender of the Christian faith of the 20th century. See, what happened was when he found ample reasoning for a God that does exist, the Christian God, for a God that does care, he didn't continue on with life as usual. He didn't continue to live his life the same way, but maybe go to church on a Sunday. Instead, you know what he did? He poured salt into pages and pages and pages of books that we still read around the world today. Or what about Kanye? What about Kanye? See, say what you want about who he used to be, but the Kanye I now see is a born again believer. And the difference in him is like night and day. 
It's, it's like night and day, y'all. And see, that's what happens when you allow God to transform you from the inside out. See, somebody asked him recently on a talk show, they said, so are you like a Christian artist now? And he said, yo, I'm a Christian everything. I'm a Christian everything. It's not just limited to one aspect of my life. That's what happens when you allow God to transform you from the inside out. It compels you to bring healing to other people. It compels you to inspire thirst. It compels you to champion purity from the contamination of this world. And if you've been sleeping under a rock for the past month, Kanye released a new album called Jesus is King. The man that used to say, I am a God, is now saying publicly, Jesus Jesus is king. And let me tell y'all, his album is salty. It declares the message of the gospel boldly and unashamedly. What happened was he poured salt into the music industry. And recently at his latest Sunday service concert, when the pastor gave an altar call, 1,000 people responded. 1,000 people responded to this altar call and gave their life to Christ all because somebody said, I'm gonna pour some salt into this music industry. I'm gonna inspire thirst among people. And then the American Bible Society realized what was happening and they said, you know what? These Kanye fans, they need Bibles. We're gonna give away free Bibles to any Kanye fan. And they've now had over 6,000 requests for a Bible. 6,000 people want to get the Word of God into their hands so that they could read the Word of God. He inspired thirst, and now people approach the water to drink, right? This is what happens when salt gets involved. You might even call Kanye's recent transformation a, Saul to Paul, a modern day salt to Paul conversion. But people aren't always happy when that happens. Even in my, my, one of my Facebook posts about the free Bibles, some friends from uni wanted to call out who he used to be and they hadn't even listened to his new album. They were very quick to go there without actually knowing the truth. And so this was me in the comment section. <laughs> Let me just tell y'all what's happening in the world today, okay? A born again Christian is someone who was meant to be poured into that city or that industry, or that company, or that classroom, and heal the waters. Salt brings healing. But it usually first starts with an irritation, you know? Like when you gargle with salt water, it doesn't always feel nice, right? See, salt can cause an irritation at first because guess what? Born-again believers are meant to rub against the grain of worldly culture. We're not meant to go with the flow. One of my favorite quotes is, only dead fish go with the flow. Y'all realize that? You go with the flow of culture, you a dead fish in the water. You need to wake up and realize that you can swim upstream. You can swim against culture. You can rise above and you can bring healing. Born again believers are meant to inspire thirst for truth. We are the salt of the earth. And I believe God has a new bowl filled with believers here in Botany, in Papakura, in Manyarewa, in Fangare, in Pukekohe, in the city, in all of our campus. He has poured us into places of influence. Why? Not just to go position there and have nice little Sunday service, but to be the salt in that part of commu the community, in that part of the city, to heal the waters, to bring purification. And guess what? We don't have to submit to culture. We don't have to submit to culture. 
but too often we let it def to define us. See, I'm an American with an American passport, educated in America, that's my accent, but guess what? I don't submit to every aspect of the American culture. I'm now a resident of New Zealand, but guess what? I don't submit to every aspect of the Kiwi culture, and nor should you. We should submit to kingdom culture. We should submit to God's will over our will. We should submit to God's word over what the world says. We need to submit to kingdom culture. And God needs y'all to rise up out of contaminated waters and get a little bit more salty, get your flavor back and bring healing to the waters of East Auckland. Now, do you realize that Jericho continued to drink the bad water up until the moment the salt was thrown in? See, when the salt was thrown in, it healed the waters and therefore brought healing to the people and to the land. But they had become so accustomed and desensitized to this water that they didn't realize that daily they were putting themselves at risk. They had just become so used to it. Like it's just how it was in Jericho. It was their truth. Everybody was drinking that water. Like, that's just what it was. They became so accustomed and desensitized to it. But guess what? Can I tell you that we need born again believers to rise up out of contaminated waters and say, this is the truth. This is who God has asked me to be. God has set me apart to be the salt in a contaminated city, in a contaminated world and bring the truth that God has asked me to bring. Y'all need to stop being so afraid of rubbing people the wrong way. We're supposed to swim upstream. We're supposed to, to, to come against the grain of culture. So yeah, not all of your friends will agree with you as a believer, but guess what? The more that you allow God to purify you, the more you inspire them to search for truth. The more you let God start to heal you, they'll see a transformation in your life that leads them to take a step of faith and say, you know what? There's something going on with this person and maybe this water that I've been drinking, maybe it's bad water and I need to go find out what this living water is all about. I need to go find out what they're talking about. See, God has asked us and called us to be the salt of the earth. But you know how that starts? It starts with a simple prayer. It starts with saying, God, heal me so I can bring healing. It starts by saying, God, satisfy me so that I can bring living water to a world that is thirsty. It starts with saying, get this one, God, purify me. Purify me so that I can purify the waters that run through worldly culture. That's it. And when you do that, God will throw you out into the city and position you in places of influence. See, see, we are called to be in this world, but not of this world. You know what that means? It means we are meant to be in culture. We are meant to be in the industry. We are meant to be in the political offices. We are meant to be in the classroom, in the teaching positions. We are meant to be there, but we are not meant to be defined by the culture that surrounds us because only God can define who we truly are. God needs you there, but He needs you to get more salty in your flavor. He needs you to inspire thirst for truth. And so as I come to a close, I wanna pray for y'all. 
Because I know that this message can be tough for some to hear because it calls you to live differently. It calls you to recognize that God has called you to be set apart, to be salt in contaminated waters. And so with all eyes open and with all heads up, with everyone looking around, if you know that you were placed somewhere to be the salt in that place and you need more courage and more strength to get your flavor back, would you just stand up to your feet? Cause I wanna pray for you. It starts with you. Did you know that there's this thing called the tipping point? The tipping point means it only takes nine to 11% of a population to have a firm foundation and a firm belief to tip the rest of the group. Do you realize that the more Christians that rise up in East Auckland, the greater chance you can reach that tipping point and get all of East Auckland. But it starts with us rising up in faith and in courage and saying, you know what? I don't know all the answers. And I don't have it all figured out, but God heal me so I can bring healing. So would you, all those that are standing, would you just lift your arms? And I'm gonna pray for you as we come to a close. God, we come to you now. People that aren't perfect, but people that are progressing. We come to you in need of your grace and your strength. And God, right now, we ask for three simple things. God, we ask, would you heal us so we can bring healing? God, would you satisfy us so we can bring living water to those who are thirsty? And God, would you purify us so we can purify the waters of culture? God, give them strength, give them boldness, give them audacity, give them truth and wisdom as they speak. Let them be people of influence wherever it is that you've placed them. And God, I pray that you would stand there with them as they stand in the stream of culture, willing to be the salt in that position. God, they wanna glorify you, so God, would you use them? In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say amen? Amen, amen. Y'all can take your seat. I wanna pray one final prayer because I know there's people in this room that you've never actually started your journey with God, but guess what? It's not too late. This could be your moment. In fact, God might have positioned you here tonight in that seat for a reason, to hear this message so that you could know a few things. Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for you and he wants to use you right where you are with what you've got in your hands. And so this time, with all eyes closed and with all heads bowed, I'm asking for this because this is a personal moment in a crowded room and I wanna ask a very personal question, but do you know Jesus? Because if you don't, I wanna give you an opportunity to. It's a decision that could absolutely change your life completely. So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you wanna know him. One, no one else is looking around, it's just me. Two, all it takes is a simple yes to surrender. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I see that hand. I see another hand in the middle. I see the hand on my left. I see the hand at the back. Amazing, God loves you. God has a plan for you. Is there anybody else I'm waiting for? Yes, I see the hand on my right. God loves you so much. And you don't even realize what he's got for you right now, but he will show you. So we're gonna pray a prayer right now. I want you to pray this prayer in your heart and mean it with everything. 
Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now, a sinner in need of your grace. God, would you heal me? Would you satisfy me? Would you purify me, God? I might not know all the answers right now, but I know this. I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. All I have is yours. Show me the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with all those that just made that decision? Come on, church. Can we give Darcy a round of applause for such an incredible message this evening? Hey, I just wanna reiterate what Darcy said. You know, if you made a decision to follow Jesus tonight, that's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And I just want you to take one more step this evening and on your seat, you will find a Connect card just like this one. And if you just put in your details and a couple of boxes down that says, I've made a commitment to follow Jesus. If you just tick that box, we would love to get in contact with you during the week. Don't worry, we're not gonna show up at your house. We're not gonna stalk you, nothing like that. We just wanna uh, make contact with you and help you on this journey to follow Jesus. So if you wanna do that, you can do that or you can sign up for anything else going on in the life of the church, like being a part of the dream team or... Um, helping do things on stage, <laughs> um, being part of the band. There's lots of things you can be involved in. So make sure you use that Connect form. We wanna hear about what you wanna get involved in. Awesome prayer and praise reports are great to put on here as well. Well, church, like I said earlier, we've got some things happening in the life of the church at the moment that we wanna let you know about. And one of those is next week, we have Shardon Lewis, a guest speaker all the way from Australia. He goes to City Point Church. He is a very gifted worship leader, but he is also a very talented speaker. And we're really excited to have him at all our morning services and our 5 p.m. next week. Also, if you're a mum or a dad in the house, we wanna let you know about Power Zone Super Sunday next week and Under Fives and Voltage is having a Christmas party. So you do not wanna miss out on next week. It's gonna be a great Sunday and you don't wanna miss it out. You wanna be right here because it's the place to be. But church, as we come to our time of giving this evening, I just wanna 